Those of us of a certain age can remember hearing Walter Cronkite close the CBS Evening News with his famous sign-off, and that's the way it is. We believed him. Today, we have a president prone to proclaiming news stories as fake. His charges aside, there's plenty of evidence that some, maybe a lot of what we consider to be news, may not be. Fake news, real news, and how do we Town know the Hall, difference? Ohio is a and the ramifications of the Ohio that we even Bureau have Federation. to ask that and question. Brought to you with the support We're talking of it all today on Town Hall is Ohio. On your side. Join us again this next is week Town Hall, for Ohio, Town Hall, Ohio, home to interesting people, engaging issues, and enlightening stories. Town Hall, Ohio is a production of the Ohio Farm Bureau Federation, working to forge a partnership between farmers and consumers and is supported by Nationwide. Nationwide is on your side. Now, here's Town Hall, Ohio host, Joe Corneli. You may know the comedian Stephen Colbert. He is a Colbert, I guess is how it's pronounced. Either way, he's an observer and influencer of public policy and opinion, and he created a word, truthiness. Now, I take that to mean that some things are sort of the truth. Well, the job of journalists is, to some extent, help us differentiate between truth and truthiness. Well, how do they do that? And more importantly, how can we as news consumers do that? We're going to cover that today with our guests. Dennis Hetzel is president and executive director of the Ohio News Media Association. Jamie Justice is news director for the Sinclair Broadcast Group in Columbus. And uh, for those of you outside of central Ohio, that's TV stations WSYX, WTTE, and WWHO. So, Jamie, Dennis, welcome to the show. Dennis, uh, return guest. I guess we didn't scare you off the last time. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Jamie, I learned something kind of interesting. You're a broadcaster. You're the news director, and you've always been behind the scenes so uh, i i hope we don't run you off with the microphone today you won't i'm i'm not afraid of the mic that's good <laughs> to hear so uh, before we get into what i think is an important conversation just a little bit about uh, jamie i mentioned uh, the tv stations but tell me a little bit about what the goal of the tv stations in, in columbus are and, and your role there so my role is news director i've been with the station for nearly 10 years now uh, three and a half years as news director and, you know, we, our goal is local news. I mean, that's our lifeline. And what we do is about the community and about Central Ohio. We have 940,000 homes here in Central Ohio, and we, we want to tell their stories, and we want to tell news that's important to them. And I believe, you know, as journalists, we have a great responsibility. And that responsibility is of great power as well, um, you know, in shaping public policy and telling the people's stories. So but at the end of the day, our coverage has to be fair. And so we, we try to be fair and obviously accurate. Dennis, uh, last time we had you on, uh, I don't know if this is a promotion or just name change, <laughs> but it was the Ohio Newspaper Association. You've, uh, you've changed names. We did. And, you know, we realized we actually represented more web URLs and websites as part of our member newspapers than we actually represented physical newspapers. And I think it was a a name just to remind people that, you know, we're around, we're viable. Uh, it's not just the rolled up, you know, physical newspaper thrown on your driveway business that, you know, we're in print, we're in digital, our members are shooting video and, and doing all those things. So it was a way just to, I think, be contemporary and remind people uh, that we, you know, that we're changing with the times. So we've done shows in the past uh, where our, our goal is to perhaps help elevate our 
our own and our listeners' literacy on a particular subject. It might be science, it might be food, it might be agriculture. Uh, today we want to talk about news literacy. How, how would you define that, Dennis? Uh, pretty simply, uh, it's being a more intelligent consumer of news and information. Uh, in a past life, when I was editor of the Daily Record in New York, Pennsylvania, we actually did some work in what's called media literacy. And it's really not just about news literacy. It's about media literacy. It's about, you know, young girls seeing the images that they're shown in advertising about why the way you look is more important than the way you think. And, you know, in today's climate with fake news, social media, and all the things that we're talking about, it's more important than ever for people to have critical thinking skills to navigate all this stuff, much of it garbage, that's coming at them. You know, I think that critical thinking skill, we all as journalists need to have it. We have to question everything. And I think in this digital age, people are not questioning enough of what what they should be. And, you know, the the stories are you know, come fast and furious out there, and we are consuming it. You know, a headline, Twitter, my tweet deck is filled with tons of headlines coming at you. What is true and what is not? So I think as not only journalists, but as people, as listeners, as viewers, you really need to put on your critical thinking cap and really think through what is the news? What is the truth? Where where does where does that truth lie? And, and there are consequences if we can't, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to affect our wallet. It's going to affect our food supply. It's going to affect a lot. It is. And so I think that, you know, we have to make sure that what we are sharing out there and what we are reading is, you know, where is the truth in that? And I think that, um, you know, we get overwhelmed and we have, it's so incredibly easy to hit that share button on Facebook and share that story that has absolutely no truth to it. And so, you know, where we talk about news literacy, we really need to verify each and every fact. So, Dennis, where do, where do we start on the assumption that uh, we all could improve our, our skill set in consuming information? Well, I think the first thing for people to do is just ask a simple question, and that is when they see something that kind of gets their blood boiling, look at where it came from, and do I trust that source? Now, there's a much deeper discussion to have about how trust in traditional media has been grossly undermined you know, not that, not that the media is without sin, but it certainly should be perceived as a more trusted and credible source than the many other sources. And uh, but the, the first step is simply just to ask yourself, you know, do I trust this source? And the second thing, am I just reading a headline and reacting to the headline, or do I really understand this issue? And maybe I should drill a little deeper before I share it with all my followers and I think Facebook is complicit in this, too, to some extent. They're just now starting to own up to the responsibility that they have as a content provider, um, you know, to exercise some discretion over, over, you know, what gets in your feed and what doesn't and whether there should be red flags on stuff. And that's difficult, but it's a very important thing for them to do. That's Dennis Hetzel, the president and executive director of the Ohio News Media Association, also in Jamie Justice, news director for uh, television stations in the Columbus market, WSYX, TTE, and WHO. Uh, the term fake news, uh, and, and, and we're going to talk, so our listeners don't know we're avoiding it, we are going to talk specifically mm-hmm. about the most famous uh, proclaimer that news is fake in a moment. 
But Jamie, is, as a news professional, and you hear that term, what do you think of? what? What's fake news? Well, it makes me cringe, first off, as a, a journalist with 20 years experience in television news. It, it's really upsetting. It's upsetting that we have, you know, we have to deal with the term fake news and people, viewers out there, you know, question whether our stories are true. And I, I receive many calls, many emails every day from people, you know, this is fake news. I think what has, it's always been, the fake news phenomenon has always been there. I mean, we've had propaganda, I mean, going dating back centuries. So, but what it's really has become, uh, you know, lately uh, a vivid display on, and social media lends it. it. It's faster than back in the day where you could just the newspaper, the tabloids or whatever. Now it's, it's instant. And so we have these, uh, constant stories that are coming up there and people saying fake news. And then uh, where, where I believe it, it, it starts is that Facebook or Twitter or whatever social media you're on, the algorithms. So if I am a left wing or a right wing, I'm getting those stories based on, you know, what, what I like. And it just feeds in. I think we've lost the art of debate. We've lost the, the art of hearing both sides. And so as a journalist, it's really upsetting that, um, you know, we can't tell a story with two sides because the one side will be, you know, be mad that they, they just see it the way that they want to see it. And they don't, they're not hearing both sides. So I think, you know, fake news, it, it's troubling. It's always been there, but it's, it's faster. And, you know, it's, it's, um, it spreads at the speed of light. So, Dennis, give me a couple of tips on identifying something that uh, I, I didn't hear Jamie say there is no fake news. Uh, yeah. But mm-hmm. but how do you how do you identify it? How do you what how do you measure credibility? Well, I think first of all, you you simply have to be you know skeptical, and you know I want I want to talk a little bit about political lying because that's really kind of what the fake news you know debate is about and the you know the demonizing of the media that's always gone on to some extent but you know as a longtime political junkie and journalist i think what's different now uh, particularly with this president is there always was a germ of truth in political lying in other words there was always some nugget that was true it might be taken out of context it might be sensationalized it might be you know being manipulated for political reasons but there was something there and there was kind of an understanding that this was going on and not demonizing the people that were questioning it, which is, you know, the, our journalists. Today, we just have politicians, including the president, that just tell whoppers, you know, just absolute whoppers with no basis in fact and have succeeded in convincing any number of people in this country that it doesn't matter uh, whether something's true or not because the president tweeted it or talked about it so that when you know, he'll stand up and go, CNN will never show you the size of my crowds while CNN is showing the size of the crowd. And these are all documented things. So the, the, the field has changed. You know, it's not, it's not the way it was. Even in the, you know, the darkest days of the Nixon administration and Watergate and the, the battles with the, the press, it, it is different now and it's scarier. You mentioned, Jamie, uh, a little bit ago uh, how it hurts to be hard with one brush that all media is evil uh, you are the enemy of the people um talk a little t- talk to us there are instances when 
journalists veer off the path and don't do their job properly. Uh, Brian Williams uh, lied about stories and, and background and such. What's the implication, though, of a bad actor here or there being used to judge an entire profession? Well, I think we, as a society, want to group everyone together. And I think we, you know, the media, as the president has said, you know, he groups all of it. And he, ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, um, he wants to group. And I think people, population, is grouping us as media. We do. There's bad apples. There's a bad apple in every group. And we're all, and some are honest mistakes. Some we're only human. But where I, what I strive on and what I can control inside the newsroom is that transparency. You make a mistake, we own up to it. And we are as transparent as can be. We're not, we're human. Mistakes are going to happen. But I think the, the viciousness that's out there, that, that broad stroke of the media is, they're liars. I think that's what's, what's hurts and what's damaging to us, to a profession that, quite frankly, it's an honor and a privilege to do. We have a great responsibility, and and, it, and I think we need to um, continue to to put to fight this fake news phenomenon. Well, I'm a believer in good journalism myself, so we're going to talk when we come back about how do good journalists do their job. And we're back with Town Hall, Ohio. Don't believe the lie. Don't buy in to what they sell you. It'll only make you cry. I've been there and I'm here to tell you that what you got inside of your soul deep down, you know the truth won't hide. Don't believe the lie. So you read a news story, is somebody truthful that's kind of where we're talking today with two news media professionals jamie justice news director for the sinclair broadcast group in columbus and dennis hetzel the exec for the ohio news media association uh, on this topic of fake news and such uh, a story recently it uh, dennis i'll let you give the listeners the background but basically somebody was trying to manipulate a uh, renowned journalist into telling a story that was a lie yeah, I give a lot of credit to the Washington Post for doing this story. I think it was important on a number of levels. In essence, the Post uh, revealed how someone uh, associated with an alt-right group was trying to set them up in a Roy Moore story, the, you know, the Senate candidate from Alabama, uh, hoping you know, to prove that they were biased and that they were going to go with something without checking it out and even tried to lure the reporter into making... Uh, biased comments. And of course, the Post exposed all this. And I think the value in that was twofold. It, 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 by re- writing about it, it really told the public the rigid reporting process that these, these uh, news operations have for fact-checking, double-checking, making sure it was accurate, uh, you know, checking out the story. And again, that doesn't always happen. Uh, the Rolling Stone situation at the University of Virginia is, is a sad example. Uh, but it happens almost all the time, and it should. Uh, and from my point of view, you know, representing newspapers of all sizes, I think it's a real reminder to my smaller uh, 
newspapers, the local papers, you know, to make sure they have strong uh, standards in place that anybody can get taken advantage of, and it does happen. Jamie, as the news director, do you set your reporters down and tell them to uh, elevate their uh, their BSometers <laughs> a little bit? People might be trying to manipulate you. Definitely, I shared that article and I uh, as a must read and really told every reporter, photographer, MMJ out there, you question everyone, everything, every time. You can't trust. We have to be skeptical. And you, you cannot just trust someone who comes to you and says, I have this story. You have to check it. It doesn't matter who they are. You will be checking it. And so I have this thing, the saying now, you check every fact. I want to switch topics uh, mostly because it's newsworthy right now. We're, we're recording this just a couple of days after NBC News fired Matt Lauer for inappropriate uh, sexual behavior uh, on the job. Uh, Charlie Rose uh, at, at CBS and PBS. Bill O'Reilly uh, months ago at, uh, at Fox. Jamie, uh, as, as a female that works in a newsroom, how do you react and what light can you share on this? Well, this is a very sensitive topic uh, that has been I've around for many years. Again, I've been in the industry two decades, and it has existed, but I feel a lot of females, and I've heard this from, um, from reporters, not at, necessarily at my station, but just in, in our field, they've, they've felt this way for a long time. They felt, uh, you know, you have a powerful anchor that comes to you and starts hitting on you and playing his, using his power to that. It puts you in a very uncomfortable position. And I think right now we have um, this movement, that uh, Me Too movement, that is helping these women come and tell their stories and giving them the strength and the, strength and the courage to come forward. Um, but it, it has existed. I, I've seen it as a young journalist in, in the newsrooms. You know, these, these anchors or news directors have always have used their power in, in negative ways. So, Dennis, um, it, this, whether it should or not, is going to reflect badly on the news profession, television news in particular. Do you think it's especially widespread in television news uh, or is it just getting more attention because it's television news i think it's getting more attention because these are celebrities i mean i i watch the today show every morning since back before tom brokaw and so you know matt lauer is uh, you go back to the huntley mm -hmm. around my report. yeah i do i'm that old <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and we would be much better off today if we still had walter cronkite around too uh, but, you know, uh, he was in my kitchen every morning while I was getting ready for work. So you do know, you know, television does personalize uh, people for you. But, you know, honestly, I, I believe, you know, it's a more visible industry, but it's just a reflection of corporate culture in America. I mean, anybody our age, my age, you know, knows what a buddy, what an old guy's network it was in the newspaper industry back in the day. And I'm sure that was true at Procter & Gamble and American Airlines and every other industry. Politics. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just more obvious. The other thing that strikes me, and it goes back kind of to the fake news discussion, in our industry when people mess up really badly, whether it's making up a story 
or sexual harassment, there appear to be consequences. Matt Lauer lost his job this week, and his career is over. Uh, Billy Bush lost his career is, is destroyed for being with Donald Trump during that interview. But I don't see politicians suffering the same consequences very often that that people in the media are suffering when they make mistakes. 30 seconds, Jamie, not even that. Are you hopeful that we might be on the path to this being repaired? I am. I'm very hopeful. And I believe we we will accomplish something. This movement will help. We will be back to talk more about journalism, news coverage, fake news, Jamie Justice, News Director for WSYX here in Columbus. Dennis Hetzel, President and Exec for the Ohio News Media Association. More after this. Back on Town Hall, Ohio, we're talking about fake news and uh, how to recognize it and how to avoid it. And uh, my personal bias is is that uh, professional journalists, by and large, uh, are ones that we should be paying attention to because there's quite a system in place to assure that what ends up on the air or on the print uh, page or on your computer screen has been through a vetting process. Helping us tell the story about journalism, Jamie Justice, news director here for uh, three television stations with the Sinclair Broadcast Group in Columbus. Dennis Hetzel is with the Ohio News Media Association. He's their president and executive director. So, Jamie, uh, on the assumption that most of the time we can trust journalists, let's let's walk through uh, the process that you and and your fellow reporters uh, would walk through, beginning with a story or an idea of a story comes to light. What's that first filter as to whether or not it it has some newsworthiness? For us, it has to do with community, human connection, that what is the story? And so will it affect our viewers? Will will they learn something? I mean, there's a lot of layers there. But if so, you have a story, there's a lot of checks and balances. You know, a reporter pitches a story in an editorial meeting, um, we ask who, who, where is this information coming from? And then we start this editorial process that um, comes down to we, you know, first off, you've got to be suspicious. Someone comes in. I'm trying to think of an example. Uh, you know, they said great story or whatever. We're suspicious of it at first because nothing's taken at face value. So they go on. They have a source that tells the story. Um, we start looking at it, and, um, you know, we don't really, you know, we're then out there to confirm everything, and we have this in our newsroom, a two-source rule. So we will always verify our, our sources, and then, um, you know, then just checking those, checking those facts out. Dennis, one of the things that, that you touched on a little bit ago I want to follow up on is that uh, – checking the credibility of a source. Um, you've been in the news business for a long time. What are, what are kind of the things that, you know, if Joe Cornelia calls you up and says, hey, this is going on, um, how do you check on Joe Cornelia? 
Well, that's one reason why it's really important to have reporters who know their beats and know their sources and can assess the quality of sources. And the two-source rule is a great rule. Unfortunately, it gets violated uh, more and more today, I think particularly um, national media, some of the cable news outlets, or we'll have the phenomena where someone will go. Uh, we haven't confirmed this yet, but CNN is reporting that. And, of course, back in the day, that would have been unheard of. You, you, you know... Um, you would have confirmed it yourself before you even would have gone on the air or, you know, in print with it. Um, there, you know, there is kind of a secret sauce to what makes something newsworthy, and it's, you know, impact, proximity, uh, timeliness, all those things. And I think news organizations evaluate that. I think the challenge today, even more so with smaller staffs and so forth, is dealing with the impactful things that are su- at least superficially dull but important and how to make those stories meaningful and contextual uh, to people and so, as opposed to just being shallow. And I think that's a challenge for everybody. Yeah, the, the, the context thing. Uh, Jamie, how do, you, how do you make sure that a, a news story, I, I, I think you try to make sure that a news story isn't just a recitation mm-hmm. of a bunch of facts. You, you help people understand the broader implications around it. Well, it's really that human, you know, for television, we are a visual medium. So we have to have that person, you know, who we would care about, who the viewer will care about, who can help tell the story. It's not a reporter. Our ratings would go down if a reporter was just reciting facts there on on TV. So what we, you know, we have to find those people to help tell our stories and to give us the great sound bites and, and all of that. But to Dennis's point, we have to, we live in a world where it's just coming at us so quickly and everyone's just trying to get these facts, you know, the story out as as quickly as possible. You know, our push alerts, people will recite now from the AP, they, you know, they will say AP reports. We haven't even verified, you know, that information. I think these these stations, it, that there's a competitive nature. There always has been, it always will be competitive with other stations in town or with the newspaper or other radio stations that are pushing out this information and wanting to be first. But I think we, you know, at the end of the day, we don't, I don't live by that rule in the, in our newsroom. It's being accurate and using our own information and sources. And there are times that we will use and cite an AP report, but we really, really try to stay away from that but I think it's the, the speed, that, that competitive spirit that everyone wants to be out there first with that story. We are going to continue our conversation with Jamie Justice and Dennis Hetzel. Jamie's the news director for Sinclair Broadcast Group here in Columbus, three television stations, WSYX, WTTE, and WWHO. Dennis Hetzel is president and executive director of the Ohio News Media Association. We're going to continue to chat about how journalists do their job, how you can recognize whether or not they're doing it well, and how you can recognize whether somebody's trying to pull the wool over your eyes. We'll be back right after this. about the uh, promulgation of fake news and whether or not 
news is fake as we visit with Dennis Hetzel of the Ohio News Media Association and Jamie Justice, news director for the Sinclair Broadcast Group here in Columbus. Uh, we've talked about truth and fact and, and how journalists assess that. I want to talk about something that's uh, a little bit more subjective, um, fair and balanced. And I cringe at using that because it's become a marketing slogan for one particular TV broadcast. But I believe that a news consumer and a journalist probably thinks about fairness and balance differently from a, from a journalist perspective. What, what are you shooting for? Well, you are shooting for fairness that you've, you know, been fair to all sides of a story to the extent possible. And that's not always possible on a, on a breaking story. You might not be able to get a reaction and, or if someone could stop a story simply by saying no comment, which by its nature makes the story one sided, then everybody would stop stories by saying no comment. So those are all issues. But I, I think every editor and news director, you know, would agree that it's human nature to hit that, that your instinct as a consumer is your definition of fairness is reporting that reinforces your biases. And that's just human nature. I'm not being snotty. I just think that's how people are. So that when a story that might be very fair comes off as biased to someone who wants their prejudices reinforced, which is kind of how we all are. Jamie, um, as you critique your reporter's work, uh, what, what are you looking for to make sure that it's fair? I'm making sure that we've reached out to both sides, that we have, you know, there, there was a story the other last night that I killed. You know, we didn't have the other side of the story. And I said, we're not, gonna, we're not going to air that until we hear from the other side. If they came back with us with a no comment, at, like Tennis said, I mean, it's, it's what's going to be out there. It's going to be viewed as a one side. But at least we have reached out and they have... They heard from us. They know that we're working on a story. But, you know, right now, if you don't have both sides, I don't think it's not fair. What we're trying to do is put our stories in context and put, and present both sides. Now, the one side may not like it because it's a negative, but it is, it, it's our job to be accurate and it is our job to be objective and, and be fair. So what happens um, when you get a when you get it wrong? Uh, like you said, we're all humans. Every now and then, something is going to slip through the cracks. It's going to it's going to miss one of the filters, and you might put something on the air that's that needs to be corrected. How do, how do you handle that? It's being transparent. It's admitting on air, and preferably in the same newscast if it aired in there. You. On air, you admit it, you made a mistake, and we move on. And again, it's just that that transparency that more news organizations, I I believe, need to adopt. I still remember as a young reporter in Galesburg, Illinois, not only did I have to correct, do a correction on a minor police uh, story, I made a mistake in the correction and had to correct the correction. (laughs) And I'm still obsessively embarrassed by that, you know, 35 years later or whenever it was. And I think that's how, that's how, most, uh, how most journalists, uh, you know, view that situation. They, they take getting things right very seriously. But if you make a mistake, you've got to own it. And, uh, and now in the digital world, you know, you need to append that correction to the story because that story is going to live, you know, on the Internet, you know, for, for in perpetuity as far as we know. So, Jamie, I want, I want to talk a little bit about here the, uh, the relative strengths and, and, and 
weaknesses of different media platforms. What's the biggest limiting factor in telling a good news story on television? What what gets in your way? What do you wish you had more of to, to do the story? Time. Simply time. You know, we just did a story this week about eight seconds, that the attention span. You have to grab a viewer in eight seconds. We struggle with time. We live in a very, our soundbite world. And so, unfortunately, we don't have, we have to run commercials. We have a, you know, small window. Stories have to move along. And, you know, our reporters generally have a minute 15. So I think our biggest struggle is just telling time. But that's where the digital world helps us, and we can we can expand on that story, and we can air the full story. So I, I assume in thirty seconds here, the greatest advantage you have is pictures and motion. Pictures and video, and that able to make that connection. As Dennis said, uh, in his living room, television lives. We television is in the most intimate places um, in your home, your living room, your bedrooms we can make that connection to the viewer. We'll be back to wrap up our conversation with Jamie Justice, news director for a couple of TV stations here in Columbus. Dennis Hetzel represents the Ohio News Media Association. We'll be back after this. Back on Town Hall, Ohio, we're talking about the news media. We're talking about fake news and how we can be better news consumers and some of the influences on all of that. Jamie Justice, news director for WSYX, WTTE, and WWHO, TV stations here in the Columbus market. Dennis Hetzel is the exec for the Ohio News Media Association. Dennis, as a former journalist, uh, I went through the phase that, uh, frankly, didn't catch up to the newspaper business uh, uh, for a while, but I saw it in broadcasting, and that's when uh, we started to see a transition where the radio stations that used to be owned by broadcasters became owned by bean counters. Uh, (laughs) Maybe that's a little harsh, but non-radio people who bought radio properties to make money not to be good broadcasters. That's happening across the board. How has the change in ownership affected what happens in the newsroom? Well, we've seen that in our industry, too, and uh, there's some encouraging signs. We've got some new owners of some large groups in Chicago, in, Chicago, in Ohio, I don't know where they came from, um, who, you know, are really deep into this business, and they understand it, and, and uh, you know, they also understand the challenge of the business model today in which, you know, it's really not an audience problem. You have more eyeballs on your stuff than you've ever had, print and digital. Just getting people to pay for it. Well, you know, mm-hmm. our adver- we're a mere reflecting what's happening to a lot of our advertisers. And he's a simple example. You know, H.H. Gregg went bankrupt last year. Well, H.H. Gregg was probably a half million to a million dollar account to a lot of large traditional media organizations, both broadcast and, and print. So all of a sudden you got to make up you know, a million dollar hole in your budget. So I think the journalists actually are ahead of the business people in traditional media in figuring out, you know, how to use the storytelling tools and, and leverage the assets that, that we have. But the business model is very, very challenging, and uh, there's no question about that. 
Dennis mentioned tools, Jamie. What's uh, what's cool out there that you uh, you you're you using now that might not have been used ten or fifteen years ago or around the corner? Technology that helps you do a better job. Well, one of the, the um, technologies is this Live View. It is a, essentially a backpack that allows our reporters and photographers to go live anywhere. You know, back in the day, you know, they had those big satellite trucks, and they still use those for certain um, events. But you had you couldn't go live without a big truck and putting up the mass, and then you couldn't go live if it had lightning. Now with cellular, we can go live in a minute. Just turn on the backpack. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dennis, uh, I want to touch on a policy issue while we have a, a, a second here. Uh, I regularly see you editorializing in your member newspapers that uh, the government's not as transparent as it needs to be. You, uh, editors have concerns about access to public records. Yeah, and they do. And, you know, one of the, the good things about my job with the government relations side is that the legislature really does look to us for leadership on open government issues, and, and that's a compliment. We don't always get what we want, but I always feel like we're – in the room, what's what's happening in, in Ohio, because of this heightened sense of personal privacy, and in many cases justified by our 724, uh, you know, digital media today, there's always new reasons to make new things secret, and not that many ideas that come out of the legislature to make things more open and transparent, and, and I think we all understand instinctively why it's important for government to be as open and transparent as possible, so we're sort of the you know, the people on the bully, with the bully pulpit to remind them uh, why that matters and we shouldn't just be, you know, constantly putting new exemptions in our open records law. So, Jamie, if we've got someone listening out there and they want to uh, eventually cap their career with a Pulitzer or a Peabody, um, what, what's your recommendation for someone that wants to, that thinks they want to make a career in journalism? How do, how do they get started? Well, I think you, you know, you really have to have that passion. I, the first, what I've wanted to be a journalist since 13. It starts with passion before anything. If you are not dedicated to fighting, I'm the open records. We're fighting with the state on, on a case right now. You have to continue. That passion is first and the dedication and, you know, Go into internships. See what it's really like. It's not all the celebrity. It's not all, you know, flashy celebrity news. It's it's tough work out there. Yeah, I started pushing a broom <laughs> in the WKTN <laughs> studios in Canton. It's been interesting, folks. We'll have to have you back again, and we sur- sincerely appreciate uh, a look a little bit behind the scenes of journalism and if, if, how it is done properly. We all end up as more informed voters and consumers. Jamie Justice of the Sinclair Broadcast Group, Dennis Hetzel of the Ohio News Media Association, this week on Town Hall Ohio. Town Hall Ohio is a project of the Ohio Farm Bureau Federation and is brought to you with the support of Nationwide. Nationwide is on your side. Join us again next week for Town Hall Ohio.